0: This is the Wellness Puzzle Podcast with Andrew Jobling, author, speaker, educator, entrepreneur and AFL player. Join Andrew as he continues his lifelong journey as a student of human behavior. This podcast will help you live your passion, explore your potential, step into your power and embrace your possibilities. Embrace your possibilities. possibilities. Hello, this is Andrew Jobling. Welcome to the Wellness Puzzle Podcast for another wonderful week. I get to speak to the fabulous Simone de Haas today, and this is a great conversation. Simone is a very successful person in lots of ways. She has had a 40 plus year career in theatre and entertainment and playing music and singing and acting and directing and doing wonderful things and really helping people bring out their own creativity. And now she's taken those skills that she's learned in those 40 plus years and she's doing a lot of work as a public speaker, as a coach to help people bring out their creativity and help them say the words yes and Now, you might be asking, well, what does that mean? Well, you're going to have to listen to this conversation to find out what that means. But what it really is all about is helping people open up the doorway to possibility in their life and really living the life they are destined to live. This is a wonderful conversation. Please sit back, relax, and enjoy my chat with Simone de Haas. Great to be sitting here with Simone de Haas. Hello, Simone. How are you?
1: I'm very well, thank you, Andrew. And great to be chatting with you today.
0: It is. It is. Wow. You've been connected to me by Jeff Teal, who is a wonderful man. And he spoke incredibly highly of you and said, you must talk to Simone. And I thought, well, listen to him. He knows stuff. And so here we are. Here we are indeed. And how's your morning going?
1: Yeah, very easy. Been prepping for some presentations. So it's always fun to kind of get into that creative groove.
0: You are a creative being, aren't you? I'm looking at you now. You've got your red hair and your colorful outfit. You're out there, aren't you?
1: Uh, well, I love colour. I must admit, I do love colour. And yes, and I suppose that is an expression of my own creativity. I've always been someone who's, I suppose, inspired by my environment. So not for me, minimalist and black and white and that kind of thing. I like to have spots of colour everywhere just to keep me energetic. And I suppose it makes me happy as well. Having yeah. lots of colour around. Yeah.
0: Colour has that effect, doesn't it? It really is. The thing is, everyone's different everyone has different things that gives them energy for you it's this color and energy around you and other people it's very different and i think one of the great things about the human race is that every single person on the planet is different magnificently and frustratingly different
1: yes <laughs> i suppose we do have to all find what that is for us so what it is that inspires us, that does give us energy, as you say, it is very different for each one of us. And I was very fortunate to find what it was for me quite early on, I suppose, in my life, maybe compared to some people who they can reach 60 and are still searching.
0: Well, tell us, what is it that gives you energy, Simone? Tell us what it is that gets you out of bed and gets you loving life and just thriving and killing it, metaphorically speaking, of course.
1: Metaphorically, Yes. Look, I suppose the purest form of it is that I found what lights me up is being creative. So, but that can be, you know, like people have so many misconceptions about what it means to be creative. They think you have to be an artist, that you have to have paint on your hands or that you're an interior designer or that it's something that is a physical application, photography or sculpture or singing or the creative arts like being on stage. Now, I've done some of all of those things, but to me, really tapping into your creativity is to be able to create something or bring something together that wasn't previously there. So in some worlds you might call it innovation. And so people might think, oh, well, I'm not very innovative or I'm not very creative. But we all express that in such different ways. You know, some people are incredible cooks. They don't need a recipe. They can just throw something together and they've got like this extraordinary meal that they've just pulled together almost like literally out of thin air. And other people are incredible when it comes to things like gardening. They can make any plant thrive. I personally am uh, not particularly good at that kind of thing. Me neither. I love plants. I love I like looking and... at
0: it, but don't yeah. get me in the garden. Unless yes. I'm sitting there in a deck chair reading. Yeah,
1: okay. Well, I'm a little the same. I can grow plants, but, you know, I, it's not something that I suppose that inspires me. But for me, my creative expression, I suppose it showed up at a fairly young age. I started to learn piano when I was about eight. and When I was 10, I actually won a talent quest in my primary school, and that really surprised me. I think it surprised everybody. (laughs) Uh, What I did was I actually wrote my own piano composition, and that was the first time that I began to kind of look at the world of creativity in probably more of a doing sense than something that is innate, because I think... All of us have this innate ability to be creative, just as I explained. We pull together random bits of information and suddenly we have this incredible inspiration.
0: Yeah, I think, sorry to interrupt you, Simone, but I think this is quite an important point that people listening, as you said, this thing, they're going, Well, I'm not creative at all. But if you're a parent, I guarantee you've come up with creative ways to get your kids to sleep or creative ways to get your kids to eat dinner. If you're in a job where you've got to solve a problem or you've got to sell a product or a service, I'm guaranteeing you've come up with some creative ways to do that. I'm sure that when someone comes to you and says, I need help, you've got a creative way to go about solving their problem or helping them. So it was important just to really reinforce that. And you said it beautifully. But I don't think anyone needs to sit there and have an incredible artistic ability. And I certainly don't. Certainly no musical ability. And in really any of those artistic forms that you would normally associate the word creative with, I am not. But I'm an author. And for me, it wasn't about writing a book. It was a creative way for me to impact lives and impact my own life. That was mm. me being creative. And it wasn't the writing part. that was a creative part. It was the idea to do it. So anyway, I just wanted to bring that in because I think it's so important for people listening to this. Because a lot of people, when they listen to a podcast, in a very early stage in the podcast, they go, oh, this is not for me. This doesn't Mm. apply to me. And what I want to do right at the start of this podcast is go, hey, if you're listening to this, guarantee this will apply to you no matter what your creative artistic abilities may be.
1: Exactly. And I think that you make such a great distinction there. And that's exactly how I look at it. You know, there is that creative component that we all have, this innate creativity that is built in, whether we recognise it or not. And then there's the artistic element, which is the expression of that creativity. And for some of us, it is very defined through artistic strands such as the creative industries or photography or sculpture or might become an architect or uh, interior designer. And for others, it is a very different expression. It can be through the written word as you've identified for yourself as an author. Or you know, for some people, it could be they just have a passion to share a particular message. And so that's how their creative self-expression unfolds. So yeah. yes, we all have a very different way of bringing it to light and just getting over that hump of, oh, but I'm not creative. Well, you know, as you said, have you ever come up with an idea of how to keep your kids entertained? Have you ever come up with an idea of how you can make someone's workload just a little bit easier? That's being creative.
0: Absolutely. So Simone, I do want to get into your story because I know you've got a long history in theatre and entertainment and art in a lot of respects. And I do want to talk about that. But before we do that, what I want to know is At the moment now, you're really using what you've learned to help people replenish their sense of self through creativity. How do you do that?
1: It's more about, I suppose, helping them to kind of recognize all of those different elements of themselves. Like we have so many components to the self. The creativity is actually just one component of that. And so what I do, the work that I do is essentially as a coach mentor, and I do a lot of the work through the spoken word. So as you alluded to, you know, I have a background in the theatre as a professional theatre director and actor and singer, and I will talk about that in a moment. So what I do now is I actually help people understand the gifts and their talents through their story. So what is their story? The story of their life, the narrative of their life. What comes to light? Uh, What are the talents that show up? through the story of their life that helps them create a more fulfilling, a more grounded and centred role for themselves in the world. And I love the word replenish. You know, for me, it's about that we are constantly or we ought to be, I suppose, looking for ways to replenish that creative well in ourselves. What fills us up? What allows us to keep moving forward? What helps us create momentum in our lives? And so being able to tap into those different gifts and talents that we have understanding how the stories of our life actually help us identify what some of those gifts might be and how we can actually bring them into the world, how we can utilize them for greater connection for the purpose of our life.
0: That's so good, Simone. I love that. And doesn't life give us opportunities every single day? I mean, every day we live, every experience we have, every challenge we face, every person we interact with is just part of this story. And we can sit down at the end of every day and i guarantee we could think of a story that happened in that day that may have seemed maybe undesirable but there's a lesson or maybe something happened that opened a door of an opportunity or what did i do how did i react and it's all story and it's all stuff we can use in our life to help others and to help ourselves move in the direction of the dreams we have in our life
1: absolutely and as you say you know every single day there is something that shows up in our world that adds to the narrative of our life you know there's also the potential then if things are not going the way that we want them to that we can actually think about those stories what story am i actually telling myself about this experience and is it in fact the full story is it in fact even true because you know we look at the world through the filter of all of those stories everything that has happened to us as you've mentioned all those relationships, the environments we find ourselves in, the workplace culture we might find ourselves in. So we tell ourselves stories because of our frame of reference. So, you know, we all have this frame of reference. We all have a backstory, as we use, you know, in the world of theatre, we refer to the backstory of a character. All of the things that has happened to the character right up until the moment when they first step on stage and in that first moment of stepping onto the stage, they bring all of that with them you know, we call it emotional baggage, but, you know, there's a better way of referring to that. To me, it's about your life experience. And it's what actually really underpins the story that we continue to tell ourselves. So we then also, I believe wholeheartedly that we then have the power to actually change that narrative, that we can have a revision of that narrative one that is perhaps a little more purposeful and a little more intentional for the life we are looking to create.
0: Yeah, and you talk about baggage. And isn't it interesting we have this real negative interpretation of baggage, like you've got this emotional baggage, but that's what sets us apart. That's what makes us different. If you think about baggage, like where I'm going on a holiday, I need my baggage. I need my carry-on because it's got essentials in it to help Mm -hmm. me survive and have a really enjoyable trip. We all need our baggage. Our baggage is what makes us who we are. And it's not something to run from. It's not something to be ashamed of. It's something to embrace and say, hey, this is me, all of me, good, bad, happy, sad, perfect, imperfect, this is me, and it makes up who I am and it makes up my story. And it's all really about, as you said, the interpretation of that baggage rather than the baggage itself.
1: Mm, So true. And, you know, when I'm working with actors in particular and we're looking at what are they bringing into the space? and when i'm working with a client in a coaching or mentoring situation i look at what are they bringing into the space what are they carrying with them what can we use moving forward and maybe are there things that they're bringing forward that are no longer essential because i think also one of the really important elements of that is recognizing when something that we've been working with you know a particular story maybe or a particular piece of our baggage recognizing that when it is time to let that particular piece go Yep. because yep. not every piece is necessary forever you think about packing for a trip and you know you come back for the trip and you've worn three of the items in your suitcase and the rest you think oh well i really didn't need you, to pack that
0: you dragged it around this heavy baggage for months <laughs> or weeks and you get home and go i could have done yeah. with half of that
1: half of that and more money Exactly.
0: Anyway, Simone, let's have a quick break and we're going to come back and I want to hear about your story and what's led you to the place where you are now really helping people in a wonderful way. Fabulous. Be inspired. Be engaged. Get motivated and make real change in your life and the people around you. Andrew Jobling knows how to inspire. On stage, he's riveting and engaging andrew is helping audiences around the world live their best life book him for a face-to-face or an online event go to andrewjobling.com.au to find out more so simone on your notes that you've sent me, you have said that you have got 40 plus years of leading exceptional talent as a multi-award winning theatre director and producer. So you've obviously got lots and lots of experience in theatre and entertainment and leadership and production and all sorts of stuff. Tell us about that incredible journey. How did it start and how did it really shape who you were and what you now do today?
1: Okay. So I suppose the I try and keep it fairly short because 40 years to cram into a couple of minutes. I suppose I was introduced to entertainment, to self-expression, to creativity at a fairly young age when I started to play the piano at age eight. And then I loved the piano. It was just something I really took to. And I decided I wanted to be a world-class concert pianist. And then I discovered that they had to work awfully hard and I changed my mind about that. But I just had this vision of me being on a stage playing the piano for, you know, thousands of people. So I always, I had this kind of picture in my head of a life on the stage, but I didn't really understand what that might look like. I subsequently won a talent quest in my primary school, which, you know, really surprised me. I wrote my own piano composition. So it kind of fed into that idea of being on the stage a little bit more and From that, when I moved then into high school, I then won a singing competition because I discovered also in primary school that I could hold a tune. And I also loved singing. And so in my very first year of high school, I won the school-wide singing competition. And that also surprised me because I was not really one for putting myself forward a great deal, but I just loved these creative expressions. So the singing, the music, I just loved it. It really spoke to my soul. Anyway, fast forward, you know, five years of high school and they would do the odd school musical again discovered a whole world that I just hadn't been aware of up until then the world of music theatre. I went on to do a bit of work with some of the local community theatre groups again really opened my eyes to the different ways in which I could take to the stage and then in my very early 20s, I think I was about 20. I went to New York with my mum and my brother was over there and he took us to see A Chorus Line on Broadway and it was just magical. I was blown away. It was my first outing at a professional theatre and I still remember walking out of the Schubert Theatre, all of the lights around on the billboard and literally I felt like I was just floating. It was such a transformative experience and in that moment I realised That was actually what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. I wanted somehow, I was going to work in theater. Now, I had no idea how I was going to do that. And that's one of the fascinating things about when you start to get an inkling about your purpose, you don't necessarily know how it's going to show up. All you know is that you've got this light and you've just got to follow that light. And the theater was that light for me. And so fast forward a few more years, I took singing lessons, I took dancing lessons, I did everything that I could to kind of prepare me for that world. And then I came to one of those sliding door moments in my life where I auditioned for two shows concurrently. I auditioned for the opera here in Brisbane at the the Opera Studio to become an opera student. And I auditioned for their student show, which was The Magic Flute, and at the same time i auditioned for a community theater and they were doing oklahoma so i auditioned for the lead role of Laurie in that and i got cast in both shows so i had to make a choice and to me these moments are what help you define your purpose the choices you make help bring you closer to the true resonance of your purpose and so in that sliding doors moment it was like do i choose the magic flute and it was the lead role or do I choose Oklahoma, which was the lead role? And I thought, you know what, I actually also really love acting. I love being able to express myself in both music and words and dancing. So I chose to go with the community theatre production. And then fast forward about another 20 years, and I was then working as a professional director by then, And I was given the opportunity, I was invited to actually direct a production of the Magic Flute for the studio at the University of Southern Queensland. So it kind of came full circle. So I got to do the show after all. Wonderful. So skipped quite a few years in all of that. But during the time that when I was learning the craft, I was like literally learning it on the boards, as they say. So I was learning the craft of theatre. And I realised, and there's not a lot of money in the world of theatre, not not then and not now, but what I realised that I was very good at and, and what became evident over time, over those, I suppose, the initial 20 years of my career, was that I was actually really good at coaching performances out of other people. So not only was I able to really identify with characters and understand What brought them to life like how could I bring that to life, I started to develop this skill of and it's a leadership skill and coaching skill of actually being able to bring that out in other people. And so, then I worked as a choreographer I worked, then I started to be offered opportunities to direct. As and sometimes it was done for community theatre and then slowly people began to know of me and I began to do more and more professional productions and I ended up directing productions such as Les Miserables, West Side Story, Sound of Music, Into the Woods, all of these fabulous shows, big ensemble shows with, you know, 45 people in the cast and another 30 in the orchestra and another 30 working backstage. And so through that I actually really began to hone what it meant to lead a team and I learned so much. I learned so much, not only about how to work with people, but I learned so much about myself. And those self-leadership skills, I think were even more important than my ability to create the vision and bring everybody on board so that we were all literally like pointing in the same direction. And that time where I worked as a professional theatre director just gave me so many tools for moving forward with my life. But I've always had essentially like a a portfolio career. I've always had one foot very firmly in the world of theatre, but another foot still very firmly in the corporate world because, as I said, you know, there wasn't a huge amount of money in the world of theatre. And so I needed to find a way to make a living, but that also allowed me to continue this wonderful creative pursuit in the world of theater. So I also then would take on part-time roles in corporate and I'd work as a PA or I work as an events manager because I had that kind of ability to bring things together. So I would work as an events manager. And so this career, this blended career has really allowed me to be very, very comfortable either in a boardroom or on the stage. And sometimes the two are just melded so that I'm teaching so I do teaching from the stage. And so it became quite natural for me to then move into becoming a professional speaker. And that's essentially been my role for probably the last 10, 12 years.
0: I think in a boardroom, standing up speaking, you're on a stage. Like yes, we're all on exactly. stage. We might be talking to our kids trying to teach them stuff. You're on a stage, you're in a job situation, in any kind of team situation. doesn't have to be a performance mm. situation. It could be any situation where there's other people. You are on stage and exactly. you need to be able to tell the story that will inspire people to do what you want them to do, I guess, and exactly. help them to be yes. what they want to become. So Simone, tell us some of your insights. What have you learned most about your journey and what is it that you're sharing with people?
1: You know, I think there's probably a couple here and one of them is actually from the world of improv, actually. And when I was listening to one of your podcasts with the guy who walked from Cairns to Melbourne.
0: Ran um, from Cairns to Melbourne. Yep. Ran,
1: ran. Yes, he talked about the power of the words what if and I love those words. They are really, really powerful. The ones that I use, which are from the world of improv theatre and comedy, are yes and... So it's a beautiful blend, actually, if you think about those four words together, yes, and what if. So if you marry them up, so it's one of the things that I've learned is that every conversation can be improved by using the words yes, and because it creates possibility, just like the words what if do. It creates possibility. It opens up potential for something that wasn't there before. It's a great way to start a creative conversation.
0: Yeah, it's awesome. And it's a beautiful replacement for the words, yes, but, which is the ones most people will use when they're thinking about some kind of aspiration. Would you like to be a successful entertainer? Yes, but I don't know if I'm talented enough or yes, but I don't have the time to invest in developing my skills. And the second you throw "but" into the conversation, that's it all over Red Rover. It's not going to happen. As you said, and opens opportunities. I want to be a successful performer and I will do what I need to do and I will learn everything I need and I will find people that will help me achieve it. The and is the key word in there.
1: Absolutely. It's just a doorway to possibility. It allows us to consider what else might be available to us. So I love using yes and in situations where maybe I'm at a loss or it's a wonderful coaching question. So, you know, somebody comes to you and they say, oh, just like you said, yes, I really want to be a performer, yes, and what is something that you might need to start with, like where might you need to start if that is something you want to do? So I love that as a way of inspiring us to think beyond what we already know. It puts our brain into the question. It puts our brains into that, like, okay, let's think about outside the parameters of the known and start exploring the possibilities. So that's one of them. The other one is, and it kind of feeds off this as well, it's two-pronged, it's having a beginner's mindset. So there's a wonderful phrase when you're just about to walk on stage, five minutes before you walk on stage, your stage manager will say, beginners on stage. Now, it doesn't mean beginner as in you are brand new. You don't know anything. It's like, are you ready? Like you are first up. It's like the starting gate. You know, we are about to throw the gates open and it's all yours. The stage is yours. So when they say beginners on stage, it kind of puts you into that readiness. It sets you up for success. So having a beginner's mindset to me is actually about allowing yourself to realize that you're ready for this. And the other side of that is having a curiosity mindset, so being ready and being curious. So we hear all the time about growth and fixed mindset. A growth mindset is a curious mindset, so it is being curious. And to me, it is the absolute cornerstone, it is the absolute bedrock, if you like, of being creative. You cannot be creative without being curious.
0: Wonderful. Okay, so there's some pretty cool little hints that you've just given us then, and I love the yes and, and I think everyone can start applying that today. And beginners on stage means I'm ready. I'm ready for change. I'm ready for growth. I'm ready for success and being ready and curious. So let's go to a quick break, and then we'll come back and we will wrap up this fabulous conversation. Career well-being is an essential piece of the wellness puzzle. One third of our lifetimes are spent working, with each and every one of us facing challenges along the way. Where do you go to be heard and feel supported? We've created Hexcom, the community app to help you with your career well-being. A safe place to learn, share advice and gather insights, empowering you to pursue your dreams and achieve fulfilment in your career. Download the Hexcom app in the App Store and Google Play today. Okay, Simone, I'm going to ask you a question because you are coming across as someone who's got it all together. You've had incredible success. <laughs> You're doing great things. You're inspiring lots of people. I want to hear about what was the greatest challenge you've had to overcome in this journey of yours and how did you do that?
1: Look, it's a great question and I often struggle to answer it because It's kind of like there's micro challenges all the time. But if I really think about, if I reflect back on, you know, the story of my life and the things that I've done, my biggest challenge has always been not trusting myself. So self-doubt, not necessarily imposter syndrome. You know, I've always had a level of confidence that, you know, if I work hard, if I do this and if I follow the steps of what people are showing me how to do things that, you know, I can make it. My biggest challenge has always been, I think, to trust that I know what I know and not to necessarily see my progress or to see what I'm doing through other people's lens. You know, I think that comparisonitis, you know, like thinking, I'm not moving fast enough, I'm not succeeding quick enough at this or, you know, oh, I'm very slow to have this success. You know, I'm a late bloomer in some ways. You know, yes, I've had a lot of success in different aspects. I've worn a lot of hats and I've had good success in many of those aspects. But I'm only just getting started and I'm 65. I'm only just getting started now, I think.
0: You're a beginner on stage.
1: Absolutely. I'm a beginner on stage for this second act of my life where I'm truly coming into my own and the biggest part of that is the trust, trusting that I know what I know and not allowing myself to be dissuaded by others who have a different frame of reference, okay. they have a different story.
0: And this is a big point because I think every single person listening is going, yep, yeah. we all struggle to trust ourselves. We all look left and right. We're all always comparing. How come that person is so much better off than me? What are they doing? They obviously know more, more talent. And I would imagine in theatre, that would be a big deal. You're always looking at people with incredible talent thinking, I could never, ever be like that. And so easy then to mm. spiral down into this lack of self belief, this negative self talk. And so many people end up heading out the back door because they'd simply talk themselves out of it because they don't A, believe in themselves and they don't trust that they've got the capacity to create the results they want. So, so it's, an, it's a very, very relevant and important point. So, Samo, how did you? build that trust in yourself?
1: I think over time, like I can still remember the first time I got like a pretty awful review for some of my work. And, you know, I ran a theatre company with my husband. We owned a theatre company for about 25 years. So we were kind of like really putting ourselves front and centre all the time. Our reputations were on the line. It's a very vulnerable place to be. And, you know, you would create something and you think, oh, you know, fingers, toes and eyes crossed that people would like it. And I still remember getting this bad review and it just destroyed me. And I was actually in the middle of directing a professional production and it just destroyed my confidence in myself. So what I had to do was actually remind myself that was one person's opinion. And, you know, so often we have this like negative bias. If one person says something negative, we then start to look at all the negative stuff in our life that feeds that. So what I had to do, I really did have to take myself in hand and remind myself that person, they were a reviewer, that was their job, they were entitled to their opinion. But it didn't actually have to change who I was or my creative process. I could learn from it. So what could I learn from that? What would help bring more clarity, say, to the next time I directed something? Was there something missing So I saw it as an opportunity and it didn't happen overnight. Like I was literally so depressed for about a week as a result of that. And every actor you talk to will tell you the same, that it can destroy your confidence. So what I had to do was look at it as separate to myself. What they said about me was not me. They had an opinion about my work. And let's face it, we see that all the time, don't we, in our work environment. So they had an opinion about my work. What could I learn from that opinion and how much of it, like we talked about our emotional baggage, how much of it did I need to take on board and what could I actually leave aside? So what was the kernel of truth in that comment that I could embrace and use it to move forward?
0: If that's the case, if there is a kernel of truth and you do actually use that, it's an incredibly positive thing.
1: Absolutely. And it's not about, okay, let's just be positive. It's not that at all. It's about recognizing and embracing that there might have been something in that. So she had this experience of my work. It didn't necessarily determine who I was as a person. It was an opportunity for me to learn. And it takes us time to actually be able to do that. That requires self-mastery.
0: Yeah, it does. And it's one of those things, isn't it? You could get a hundred positive reviews and we fixate on the one negative one. I'm an author. And the second you do something on a stage in public, when you put yourself out there, you are setting yourself up for criticism. You're setting yourself up for ridicule. That's just the reality. And I think. The bottom line is, and I've had to go through a lot of what you've gone through, Simone, as an author, and you get mixed reviews. I mean, I've written a book. Well, I've written lots of books. But if I've got 10 people reading the same book, they're reading the same information, but they're filtering it through their own experiences, their own knowledge, their own life, and they're going to come to an opinion about (laughs) that book. And I know, and this is an important thing to recognize, not everyone's going to love you. Not everyone's going to love what you do, what you say, how you do it. And that's okay. And when you do, as you've done it beautifully, Simone, when you do get criticism or someone has an opinion, your first question you've got to ask yourself is: Is there any truth in that? And if there is, use it. Mm. If there's not, if it doesn't matter, it's like, okay, that's their opinion. They're allowed to have their opinion. Not everyone's going to love me, and that's okay. Yes, because we don't love every (laughs) book we read. We don't love every show we go to. We happily criticise other people, but then when we get criticised, we fall apart. This is the way the world works. People have opinions, and let me tell you. You're not going to change someone's opinion so just accept it it's okay it's their yes. opinion
1: and to be able to move on and that does require self-mastery it requires recognizing that yes you're going to have triggers that are going to be pushed if somebody comments or criticizes something that you've birthed into the world you know and the creative process it makes us incredibly vulnerable as you know as a writer and they encourage actors. You know, I worked with actors in film and television for about five years, training them, getting them ready, you know, to work on fast turnaround film and television. And it's cutthroat. And you have to have a very thick skin. You've got to recognise it's about the work that you're doing. So focus on the work that you are putting out. And if you can go to sleep at night going, you know what, I have done my best work today. I am pleased with what I've put out into the world. and If you go to sleep and you think, you know, today was not such a good day and just like, you know, gone with the wind, tomorrow is another day. Put your best foot forward tomorrow. Always focus on how can you bring your best self to everything that you're doing.
0: I love that because it's so easy when people have a bad day, they spiral. They start beating themselves up. Oh, I'm terrible. I can't do it. I'm not good enough. Rather than going, okay, well, how do I take a step forward? As soon as I step out of bed tomorrow morning, What am I going to do to move my life forward in a positive direction? I think that's a great attitude.
1: And that's where you can use yes and. You can say yes and today didn't go quite according to plan and tomorrow is a fresh day. I can do better tomorrow.
0: Love that. Okay, Simone, tell us now. We're coming towards the end of this wonderful conversation. Creativity is very much about what you're doing to help people. So how do you help people? If we're going to give one last little hint or tip to the people listening about how do they really tap into their creativity what would you say to them
1: it's essentially to me it's about being in flow it's about recognizing that creativity like shows up in everything that you do it's in your mindset it's in being present with what you're doing in that moment because if we are very much in our minds, so say we're working on something and we're, we're trying to bring something together When we're really busy in the doing, doing, doing of the brain, we often don't allow our intuition to flow. And I'm very much about really harnessing our intuitive intelligence. So that's, you know, creativity is part of that intuitive intelligence, helping us to recognise that when we're working in the present moment, we are focused purely on what's in front of us doing the work that is in front of us we have the ability then to harness so many different aspects of our creativity and our intuition to bring something to light to have the best possible outcome so for me it's very much about letting those distractions slide like really giving myself the space and the time and the energy to focus on what's in front of me being present with what's in front of me rather than focusing on the past or focusing on well what if people don't like what i'm creating but really just being in the moment and allowing myself to be fully present with that creative process
0: that's awesome and then i think just to add to that because when you are in the moment when you're mindful and when you're allowing this intuitive voice some space then the next step is you got to trust that voice because it comes back to the trust thing because a lot of people have an intuitive feeling or a gut feeling, but they ignore it or yes. they shove it down. Like, that doesn't make sense. That's illogical. And I know even for myself, even sitting here as an author, that was a crazy, illogical, intuitive thought that I had that I just trusted and followed up on. It would have been real easy for me to had no way known, mate. There's no chance in the million years you could ever be an author. You've got no time, no skills, no background, no qualifications, no clue what you're doing. Give it up. But I just trusted that intuitive voice. And I think you've got to create the space, you've got to be mindful, your intuition is going to talk to you, your body's going to talk to you, you've got to listen and you've got to trust and you've got to take action based on that and that can be challenging for a lot of people.
1: That's exactly true and again, as you said, it's that blend of noticing when those intuitive hits come and recognising that your intuition is part of you just as your creativity is. And recognizing that and taking action on that and trusting that the flow will continue to happen. The trust, again, such a big component.
0: Yeah, your intuition is effectively your internal guiding system and it only wants Mm -hmm. the best for you. So it makes sense to listen to it Yes. rather than the opinions of people that you really don't care anything about or don't want to be like, but we listen to all the Mm -hmm. time. We crack fear from watching the news. We listen to other people who tell us what we should and shouldn't do. You know, trust you and you will be on the right path to a creative and wonderful life simone this has been wonderful now tell us how people could find you should they want to yes
1: absolutely well you can reach out via my website which is com, or email me if you feel so inclined simone at com. so reach out on linkedin as well i'm on linkedin if you would like to catch up for a chat I do a free spotlight session where we can actually have a chat about where you're at, whether it's in, you know, transition with a career or maybe you're looking to become a speaker and you're not sure how you're going to bring all of that wealth of wisdom together and all the stories together to create a keynote. I work a lot with professional speakers in that space as well, as well as CEOs who want to create more impact and influence. So I have a number of different ways in which that I work with people. I'd love to chat with you more.
0: If you're sitting there and you are interested, then this is what you do. You say yes and then you go and book a time to speak to Simone. Simple. Love it. Yes, and Simone, it's been wonderful. Thank you so much for your time. I'm very grateful for everything you've shared and the impact that you've had on the people who are listening. Thank Thanks you very so much
1: for the opportunity, Andrew. It's been fabulous.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Simone. What a fabulous conversation with Simone Dehas. That was And she's got so much experience and so much knowledge. And she's been through a lot of stuff, really, the highs of the highs and the lows of the lows, I think, like everyone has. And it's interesting that as I release these podcasts every single week, there's sort of a lot of similarities, would you agree, with success and life and being a human? And the reality is we all go through challenges in life, and we all have the same possibility and opportunity to create great success if we can just start saying the words, yes, and rather than yes, but it's going to make a massive difference. You are a creative being. You are incredible. You have everything you need to be successful. You just need to be a beginner on stage and just be ready to start and live your best life. So go ahead and start saying the words yes and every single day and looking for opportunities to really show your creativity. If you want to reach out to Simone, you can do that. You can go to her website, which is www.simonedahass.com, or you can link with her on all the social media platforms. You can do that through her website. So she's a person absolutely worthwhile reaching out to and saying, yes, and yes, I will, and I will get great results. Thanks very much to Jeff Teal and the team at Hexcom, the sponsors for this podcast, Thank you, guys, because what you're really doing out there is helping people love their life, all aspects of their life. And for so many people, their career can be a stressful part of their life, but Hexcom and Jeff and the team are doing great things to help people live purposefully through every element of their life. It's wonderful. Thanks, guys, for sponsoring the podcast. Thanks for being with me for another week. I really hope you got something out of this podcast, and if you have, I would hope that you would share it with other people so they can also benefit from the wonderful wisdom that Simone has just shared. Please be with me next week because I will absolutely be back. My name's Andrew Jobling. This is The Wellness Puzzle Podcast.